Would you bet a few thousand dollars that you could sink an eight-foot putt? What about 10 grand that you could win a drag race against a Camaro with a thousand horsepower? If you bet $2 million, could you bet it all on one football game? Maybe you wish you could, but you probably wouldn't. Gamblers is about the people who did. From the Ringer Podcast Network, listen to Gamblers Season 2 on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash. Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies splendor. For each one is unique like a snowflake. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Tara Palmieri. I'm Puck's senior political correspondent, and this is Somebody's Gotta Win. We are less than two months away from the Iowa caucus, then the New Hampshire primary and the South Carolina primary, three very important Republican contests that will likely decide who the Republican nominee is for president. Right now, Trump is running away with it, but there's still hope among many anti-Trump Republicans that there will be another nominee. And these anti-Trump Republicans often talk about the idea of consolidating, getting behind one candidate, the David to take on the Goliath. But in the meantime, Nikki Haley, Chris Christie, Ron DeSantis are duking it out for number two. And Nikki Haley seems to be surging while Ron DeSantis continues to be on the decline and Chris Christie seems to only be playing in the state of New Hampshire without a national strategy. So in this episode, I check in with the governor of New Hampshire, Chris Sununu, who's long been calling for consolidation, although he's yet to give his endorsement, which might help that process. He gives me a lay of the land and his feelings on who could end up taking on Trump, if that's even possible. Thanks so much for joining us, Governor Sununu. Uh, You've been on the trail. You've been all over the place with every candidate, pretty much. I mean, except for Vivek. We know you have some beef with him. Uh, We can get into that later. I've met with Vivek. We've we've had good conversations. Not so much lately, but you know. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Listen, a lot of people on the trail have uh, beef with him. But, you know, you've been winning in New Hampshire for the better part of a decade. You really understand the lay of the land. You're the fourth most popular governor in a purple state. But this is also the site of Trump's first big win in 2016. So I was hoping you might be able to explain why Trump is so strong in New Hampshire. 
Well, Trump is strong nationally, right? And and we understand that. And the main reason is because I still think the bulk of the base Republican voter don't see a choice yet. They really don't. They see the former president. He gets all the headlines and all that. And then there's still four, five, six candidates over here. And they're not even really looking. It's it's kind of the psychology of decision making, if you will, when there's still just too many other folks there. The one that's taking up all the headlines will tend to people tend to just kind of gravitate towards it. Now, I think as you come out of Iowa or as we go into Iowa and then ultimately come out and as you go into New Hampshire, this is really down to like three candidates, maybe even if that. Um, and now folks are going to get excited about the opportunity of, oh, wait, here's my choice. Now I can really discern. Now I can really spend some time. They spent some time with a lot of these these candidates already. But mo- remember, most folks still won't make a decision until mid-December, uh, early January about who they're going to vote for. I was at um, three campaign events last week, right before Thanksgiving, uh, one with Christy, one with um, Ron, and one with Nikki. And on at each of those events, they, were, they did these town halls, packed houses, all of them. And, and at each of them, they all said, hey, raise your hand if you've, if you this is your first time ever, ever, you know, coming to one of my events. And virtually everyone at each of those events raised their hand. I'm really surprised to hear that because you have such a small state and everyone's so politically engaged and the ads are running like you would think they know they have other choices besides Trump. Yeah, I think they, it's just the nature of folks wait. They wait to really they kind of see where it's going to sift out and they really get engaged towards the end. So, so we shouldn't be looking at the polls. No, no one really looks at the polls. No, no one's really looking at the polls at all. Uh, polls are interesting. Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but like how did Ron DeSantis drop so much in the polls if like no one's looking at them? Because he was the front runner ahead of Trump in New Hampshire back in January. Yeah. And now he's like fifth in the polls. And so like, what should we make of these polls if no one's really paying attention? So the polls don't determine whether you're going to go up or down. I mean, Ron's campaign is Ron's campaign. Obviously, he took a pretty significant slide. Um, lately, he's been spending a lot of time in Iowa. So that's why he's doing, I think, well, better in Iowa, not not quite as well in New Hampshire. I mean, he's still got a game here, to be sure. He's still coming, but not quite as much. He's putting a lot of his chips into mm-hmm. Iowa. And, and there's reason for that. And that's understandable um, to a certain extent. You have to play in both states if you're going to do well. Um, the opportunity for someone like Nikki Haley is that South Carolina comes right after New Hampshire. So if she were to do well here, she'd carry a lot of momentum back into her home state and really give Trump, I think, a run there. Uh, Chris Christie is really letting it fly. Um, and, and I mean, he's the one, he's just completely unabashed about the realities of Trump, the distractions and the chaos that uh, that Trump tend to bring. So he's doing well. And those are really the three candidates. So, well, you know, why numbers move back and forth is uh, half where they've put some resources, half due to the amount of earned media that they've received. Um, I'll say this, none of them have done a great job with a ground game here, you know, Mm. knocking on doors, phones. Uh, They put some money into mail and and advertising, of course, but ground game is very different. That's kind of bottom up and that really does still work. And there's still plenty of time for them, for any of them to do it. And I think you could see a a significant movement in the numbers for those who who kind of drop that ground game for the next six weeks. You mean like knocking on doors or having volunteers knock on doors? That's it, knocking on doors, volunteers. You know, some of the best I mean, people are wondering what I'm going to do with my endorsement and all that. But I, I tell you, some of the best endorsements you can get are the town selectmen, are the, the town planners. Those are kind of the city leaders that locals go to. Locals look at locals in terms of who they should support. They don't just ask the governor who, who, who the governor you know thinks is, is the best. So, you know, building a ground game, those constituencies, those advocates to work locally for you, it's more effort. But that, that's how that's how it's done. OK, so 
you're saying it's still early. People haven't made a, a decision, but like who gets the biggest crowds? Who has the most enthusiasm around? I would say, I mean, to be honest about it, I think Nikki's crowds are growing pretty aggressively here. There's, there's okay, no doubt wow. about that. Um, Ron still has a, a great crowd. I was, I was in Nashville with Chris last week, literally packed. Um, kind of a smaller room, but literally he had four or five people deep out the doors. So mm. just more and more people are getting engaged. All these are absolutely full rooms to be, to be sure. Um, but Trump is getting the most, right? Well, Trump comes in once a month and holds a, a rally, gets on a stage and leaves. He's kind of like mm. a, it's kind of like a show, right? Okay. Trump, going to see a Trump, you don't get to ask Trump questions. He would never it's take a town question. hall. Yeah. 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 He doesn't take questions for people. He doesn't want to engage. He never wants to talk about, he doesn't even talk about policy. The amazing part about Trump is he's, he, he's almost campaigning, trying to convince people he wasn't actually president for four years, right? Mm. Cause he's not talking about, Oh, I didn't actually build the wall and I didn't drain the swamp and I wasn't mm. fiscally responsible. And I told you that the pandemic was just fine. Everything was, was handled fine. And let's all forget about that Fauci guy that really screwed mm. it everything up that, you know, I never got rid of and never handled. There's so many things that he has to be held accountable for, but to uh, almost to his credit, if you want to use that word, he's been able to use earned media, uh, avoid the, the necessity of getting on the stage in the debate. But if it becomes a one-on-one -on -one race, now he's in trouble. And, and because he has no game other than being on television, um, he he's getting, he's rusting. I mean, if you've heard his, I don't know if you've heard any of his. Uh, I know the Obama Biden stuff. Yeah, yeah, he, he was on a diatribe about Jesus Christ being the Speaker of the House and comparing himself to Nelson Mandela. I mean, yeah, if he's not on the wacky. teleprompter, he's almost Biden esque. I mean, he really is. He right. he just kind of goes but off. But he's still he's still surging in New Hampshire. So, like, what percentage do you think is actually tuned in and made a percentage of your electorate? At least your independents, Republicans, Democrats. Yeah. So. Well, he, you know, he pulled at the mid 40s a year ago. He's pulling in the mid 40s today, which is really high <laughs> No, uh, for a former sitting president, leader of the party. I would argue that that's pretty awful. I mean, really? he's the former he's the former president. How does he not have 80 percent of the Republican vote? Right. Yeah. Think of it that way. If more than half of your party that you led and were president and, and leader of the free world, if half of your own party is saying, thanks, give us somebody else. That's actually pretty awful if you think about it. And that's why there's, there's these other candidates running. That's the door of opportunity. If he was holding 70%, 80% of the vote, it'd be over. But it's not. I still think it might be over at 40. No. Oh, gosh, no. Well, you don't think I would so. say this. Let's say Ron DeSantis is, is the one or Chris Christie is the one that comes out uh, yeah. by Super Tuesday. Okay, Trump can have his 40%. Someone else will take 60. See, Trump has a ceiling. He has a floor, but he also has a ceiling yeah. that's actually fairly low for a former. But there's also a chance that like Ron, if Ron DeSantis, say, drops out, his people go over to Trump. Like nobody really knows where the supporters. No of one really knows where folks are going to go. And I'll right. say this in a state like New Hampshire, you know, undeclared voters can vote in New Hampshire. I believe they can right. actually vote in, in, in uh, Michigan as well and a few other states. Mm. Um, they can account for more than a third of the vote. A third yeah. of the vote. So that's a lot of folks that really don't show up in polls. I can guarantee you are not on Trump's side in any of this um, and will definitely swing things one way or the other for some of these candidates. And I'm not saying candidates should cater to an independent vote. They should just be themselves, be the strongest candidate they can be and attract those those undeclareds on the day of the uh, on the day of the election. That would be an immense opportunity for someone to grab. You keep mentioning Chris Christie, and I know he's very popular in New Hampshire, but he seems to have based his entire 
campaign around one state, your state, New Hampshire, and he doesn't have a national strategy. And like, I've read your op-eds. You've long been saying that even before you decided whether you were going to run for president or not, that you thought that in order to beat Trump, that everyone needs to consolidate around one candidate. And to me, he seems like a spoiler. Like he has no national strategy. He seems like he's using your state to build his brand, redeem himself with the media. I don't know. So, and his voters would probably go to someone like Nikki Haley who could get the anti-Trump vote. Whereas like if someone like Ron DeSantis drops out, a lot of his voters might not go to Nikki Haley. They might go to Trump and, you know, go to Trump. So I don't know. What do you, what do you say to Chris Christie? Like, when do you, when do you finally tap him on the shoulder and say, Hey buddy, like you're doing well in New Hampshire, but that's not, that's not the, you're, you're actually helping Trump win. Yeah. So a couple of things, don't get overly concerned about whose voters will go where when they drop out. One thing we've learned over time is you never really know. Secondly, I, I completely agree with you. And I've had, I don't mind telling you, I've had good conversations with Chris about, Hey, you gotta have a game in these other States. You have to play somewhere else. He's raised money. He has a lot of cash on hand, which tells me he is playing a, a long game, but I would agree with you that I think he does need to have a stronger base of support um, in some of these other earlier States. It, it can't just be New Hampshire or bus. Cause that, that doesn't really work. Um, I, and so I think he has a strategy. I don't know. I'm not on his campaign. I think he has a plan. I would argue that he has- Told you plans. what the plan is, or do you know? No, what the plan not is? necessarily. I think he's playing a more of a longer game, like a Super Tuesday game, because he's not going to win South Carolina. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, no. Like, to your point exactly, probably well into Super Tuesday. Um, yeah. I, I would say this: if Trump runs the table on Super Tuesday, it's over. I mean, I, I that's it's over. Somebody has to. You be, think it will go that far? Yeah, sure. Like I said, if you get to Super Tuesday, he runs the table. It's, it's over the next day. Um, if you get to Super Tuesday and Nikki Haley is winning three or four states, or wh- whoever the alternative candidate is. Well, now the whole paradigm changes. Now this whole media and national idea of, oh, Trump is the nominee and that's inevitable. That all gets destroyed, right? And so now it becomes a one-on-one race. He has to engage on a debate stage. He has to engage with these with, with the other candidate. If you but but that all has to happen in short time. I think you and I would agree. It's it's Iowa, it's New Hampshire, it's South Carolina. You have to have a viable uh, campaign in all those states to make your case to go on beyond that and, and be strong into Super Tuesday. Um, so I don't want to uh, criticize Chris's strategy and campaign too much. I don't know it exactly, but you're right. He is really only focused on New Hampshire. I, I just um, I would agree that that's that could be very detrimental for if, even if you're a top three or four candidate, it could still be very detrimental. You got to have breadth, you know, with the base. Right, and you're also just you're essentially a spoiler for someone else who could take on Trump. Well, they're all spoilers. They're all spoilers if they don't get out. I mean, think of it. Let me think of it this but way. But you're a spoiler if you don't have anything, if you don't have a plan past New Hampshire. You really are. And, and you don't have yeah. a plan in Iowa. So like, what's your plan? Yeah. Okay. Ron DeSantis' plan is Iowa, right? Who knows? Yep. He's got a really strong ground game there. They apparently knocking on every door, 99 counties. Yes, he's slipping in the polls. Nikki Haley, I mean, she's been playing in both states. Like, you know, she's yeah. spreading her eggs in the basket. She's got South Carolina. I just don't see yeah, it for so him. I would say this on the spoiler side. Look, if if all but one of those candidates got out of the race today, mm-hmm. Trump loses. Right. So if, if the Republicans want to really be sure that you beat Trump, it's really down to the candidates not getting out of the race. If they have the discipline to get out. Trump loses the nomination and Republicans galvanize the party clearly would win in November. And, and, right. you know, things, things really right the ship. It's really uh, as much as it's obviously in the hands of the voters, 
But the right. voters need to galvanize around somebody to put pressure on the others to get out. But voters, they think they have choice. They're not thinking about it like political tacticians. I know. They're not know. thinking to themselves like, oh, if we all get behind <laughs> Nikki Haley, like she'll make it to Super Tuesday. Yeah, they don't think like that. They're, they yeah. just know some of them are like, I'm an anti-Trump voter. Tell me where to put my vote because I don't want Trump to win and I don't care who it's going to be. Mm-hmm. That, that's what it's not being communicated right now. And I think that's why the polls are the way they are. Yeah. So, in, and that's almost a virtually impossible thing to truly communicate, you know, a, a personal decision making versus You can do it, you can do it as a, someone who endorses for a major state. So well, yeah, I can do it because I got a really cool car. Um, and that's <laughs> <a good one. laughs> you do have a cool car. You have a Mustang, which I was yeah. lucky enough to get a spin. No, spin around. Sure, no, look, I'll get behind somebody and, and we'll work hard for him. You know, it isn't just a governor's endorsement uh, guarantees a win. It is not like that at all. But you've been pretty explicit about consolidation all along. Oh, so yeah, like, absolutely. I think it would be, it wouldn't just be like, um, you know, how Kim Reynolds endorsed Ron DeSantis in Iowa. Yeah, the timing of that was a little odd. Timing and endorsements is always important. Um, and I think Kim is a great governor, of course. Um, I thought her her timing of her endorsement was a little bit odd because it was... A, Why was that? Remember, well, it was a short week. It was the day before an election that was going to grab mm-hmm. all the headlines. It was 10 days before the government was potentially going to shut down. That uh, It was just, it was odd. I, I thought... I thought Not the, enough bang for her buck, basically. To yeah, get it out and there. so you yeah. want to get the bang for your buck. That's all. And, and how, mm. what you do in Iowa is very different than what you would do in New Hampshire. And so, you know, you have to respect that. But I'll get behind somebody. I'm not 100% sure what, what I'm going to do yet. I really don't know. Um, mm. And we'll, we'll work hard. And we'll work hard, I think, in the right ways and try to help these folks lay a ground game and a message, a tailored message for New Hampshire. I mean, that's one thing I can probably bring to the table. We, we uh, You and I have spoken about about the, the live free or die, right? Live free or die yeah. is our model, but it really mm-hmm. is here. There's a way to tailor live free or die into your campaign message that really gets people excited. And and uh, that's one area that I, I, I'm i pretty good about knowing, well, I know how to win here, that's for sure. But right. I, I'm pretty good about knowing kind of not just taking, oh, just raise some money and, and use my message. That's not going to work. You got to really connect with folks one-on-one. And if we can open doors like that for one of the candidates, then then there's a real opportunity. Well, New Hampshire can certainly be a stopgap. If anything, that's what you yeah. saw in 2016. Ted Cruz wins Iowa, Trump wins New Hampshire. I know that you weren't behind that, but that's why it's important, you know, to pick someone in New Hampshire. And so how... What are you waiting for, essentially? What is it that you that you're looking for before you make an endorsement? When do you think you'll make it? Because I know you've you've been pushing it off. You said I'll do it after the second debate. I'll do it after well, the third again, debate. Like any, I'll do it like after the fourth debate. Yeah. Now you said you'll do it the first two weeks of December. What's the new date? <laughs> uh, so no, like any good politician, I'm just going to wait till someone tells me what to do. Um, no, I'm stop. Kidding, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, no, I'll probably make an endorsement probably in the next couple of weeks here. Um, mm-hmm. Like I, we were discussing, timing is everything. I've really spent. I mean, I've been blunt about bringing it down to the three governors, Chris, Ron, and Nikki, they're far and away the most the most um, uh, able to actually do the job. So you would entertain still endorsing Chris Christie, even though he doesn't have oh, a, sure. a long Absolutely. Term. Chris is a great friend. Yeah. And he's, he's strong on the campaign trail. He gets people excited. He might not even make the third debate, though, at this point, they're saying. The fourth debate in, in December. Fourth debate. Sorry. Yeah. Yes, yeah. you're right. Yeah, I, I, gotta be honest, I, don't, I don't know much about that. I've always said if you right. don't make a debate, it's, it's hard to convince the rest of the country you need to be on the debate stage if you don't make right. it. I, I don't know about the, the, par- the, the dynamics there but i guess that'll be december 8th is that right sixth yeah seventh, something like that yeah yeah so that's coming, coming up, up pretty fast next but um week. no we'll probably make a, 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 a endorsement in short order and, and you know work with the campaigns work hard and and see what we can do mm-hmm. look right now it's it's li- more likely than not that trump's a nominee right but it isn't an absolute it's really not it's definitely more likely than not that biden is not on that ticket wait why why is that why biden isn't going to be on the ticket yeah. Are you kidding? 
um, there first Biden is so has become so bad that even Trump can beat him in November. So you think you're you're part of the like conspiracy theory, even though he keeps saying I'm running, I'm running. Oh, his no, no, no. Are- so, no, there's no conspiracy theory. I just think that the dynamics are such that he's he's running. He'll go through the process. He'll collect the delegates in the primary. But you cannot tell me that the Democrat Party is looking at his numbers, looking at the reality that almost anybody will now beat him. And they're going to say, oh, yeah, he's got five more good years left in him. No way. They're not going to sit back and take a loss that is being broadcast to them, that if you stick with this guy, it's a loss. And by the way, he's not just a bad candidate. He, he has, you know, the memory issues and the physical and the, the age. I mean, those are all really coming into play. So you see them swapping him out at the convention? Yeah. Well, the, or, he's, or he takes a bow and he becomes kingmaker. I mean, okay. does he, he's, he could either go out as the guy that got rid of Trump or the guy that lost to Trump. Those are his two options. Mm-hmm. And, and I think at the end of the day, Jill Biden and Joe and some of the others will make the, the decision and say, look, we're, we've we finally checked the box. We finally got this presidency. We don't want our legacy to be the guy that stuck around too long and gave it back to Donald Trump. Now, look, I just want Republicans to win. That's all I care about. But I'm telling you, on the Democrat side, they're much too conniving and scheming uh, <laughs> on their side to just sit, sit there and, and wait for Joe Biden to lose it for them. God, no. Yeah. Well, I just want to say to the listeners that I, we have no proof that that is going to happen. I have heard Democrats oh, no, talk about it. Yes, yeah. People are making these predictions on both sides of the aisle that this will happen. But this doesn't mean that this is anything that this is being telegraphed in any way by the White House or Joe Biden himself. Oh, no, no, no. I've just I've been talking about this just to be clear, completely my thoughts. I've been talking about yes. this for the people last have five been talking months. About people this thought I was for crazy. A while. But, yeah, exactly. yeah, you can always you can all come back and say, how did Sununu know this so far in advance? It's just, I'm just that good. I'm just that yeah, good. Yeah, a lot of people have been talking about this and even suggesting it to, to him in columns, et cetera. Okay. Um, so I, I wanted to ask you about this Nikki Haley surge. Like, do you think it's real? Yes. You yeah, do? yeah. I'll tell you why Nikki surge is real. Because look, I'm seeing it on the ground. Like, people are surging to the rooms. It, the surge isn't based on nothing. She just had, I think, three very strong performances in the debates. Nationally, she's showing she's showing herself as someone that that has got some real grit, amazing background behind her. Um, and I can tell you, like, she's spending the time in Iowa. She's spending the time in New Hampshire. She's kind of parsing her time out, not picking one or the other. And I think that's helping her. I think it's helping her craft her message. I think it's helping her connect to voters. So, no, the, the surge is very, very real. And um, I mean, we'll see where it goes. I mean, you got to you got to keep that momentum up for seven weeks and keep building a couple percent, couple percent every single week. And next thing you know, you know, she could be she could be the contender um, at the end of January. But, you know, it doesn't happen on its own. It's really driven by the candidate, hopefully a smart campaign strategy. Um, And, uh, you know, you got to be disciplined with your money, disciplined with the message and consistent. Consistency works and and keep smiling. And every once in a while, you know, hold a puppy. You know, do whatever you got to do to get yeah. to get the voters excited. Speaking of holding puppies, I feel like Ron DeSantis kind of fell flat once he got in front of the voters. Why was he holding a puppy? I didn't see. No, him. he wasn't holding enough oh. puppies. You know, he was like, <laughs> oh, not enough puppies. Talking about DEI and <laughs> Disney, and you know, what do you think? Why? Why? How? How was he so popular? And then once he hit the trail, became so became unpopular. So a couple things happened, remember. So I think Ron did a great job um, getting some earned media, especially with the Republican base early on uh, with some of the Mm -hmm. things he was doing. He was he was a sitting governor. He was an acting governor. Unlike Nikki and Chris, they're not acting governors. So Ron had a platform to do. And that's a really great thing to to be able to do. And, And I think he did it. He's run obviously run Florida very, very well. 
then Trump, when Trump's legal trouble started, if you will, or, or started to really hit the headlines, Trump ate up all the earned media. Right. And that's when the, that's when things started to. And so it's all been more of a product of earned media. Because, and Trump was beating him up a lot month after month after yeah, month. I don't think that mattered as much. You don't I, think I so? Don't, no, okay. I think it was more the fact that Trump's name was said 99 times between 8 and 11 p.m. Mm. every night. And DeSantis's was only said four. You know what I mean? Got it. So it got all the headlines, all the attention. You know, and then as the Biden stuff started, the, the Hunter Biden stuff started taking off, you had even independents going, yeah, what's going on? So all this, I won't call it conspiracy theory stuff, but the politicalization of the FBI, the Hunter Biden laptop stuff becomes more real. The Bidens themselves may have taken money. There's those stories that are floating. So everyone starts doubting the Dems now. And it's like, OK, maybe this was all manufactured. It, it, it took what was conspiracy theory to, oh, wait, maybe there's some validity here. So you had base Republicans that I would have never called conspiracy theory crazy starting to buy into a lot of this this stuff. And and Trump was able to maximize his victimization. He became the victim. He became and he played that to a T. The whole Republican Party, though, said that he was being victimized as well. Right. I mean, they did. They came up behind him. So when the entire party says it, all the voters are going to listen to it. So right. now he's become just a victim. He plays that, uh, uh, you know, he's every, even at his rallies, he doesn't talk about future policies or how to get stuff done or what didn't work when he was a, a former president. He only talks about himself as a victim of, of, this, of a corrupt system. Now, who is he talking to? There are a lot of Republicans, a lot of independents, and I would argue even a lot of conservative Democrats that whether you like Trump or not, you're ticked off. You're ticked off because you and your family were in the manufacturing heart of this country and built this country. You built the roads, you built the bridges, you built the products. You and your family defended this country in the military. And now you have this Democrat left wing elitist regime trying to tell you, standing on the shoulders of your Mm -hmm. family's success, telling you how to live your life, telling you what you're allowed and not allowed to do, telling you who they're going to who you need to cancel and not cancel. So overall, it isn't just a Trump voter. That's where the media, I think, gets this wrong. There's just a really uh, big part of this country that feels completely disrespected by a progressive elitism. He tapped into a wave again like that. Absolutely. Basically, he was he was underground for a minute after the losses in the midterms, after all the people he endorsed were considered too far right and he lost. So then he tapped into a new wave. This is the Trump, the Trump uh, ebb and flow, I guess. Well, this is where he's really good. This is where, look, he, he was the disruptor back in 2016. He can't be the right. disruptor anymore because he was already there. So he's going right. to be, hey, you guys are victims and I'm a victim too. I'm, I'm the head of the victims here. And you, right. they're stepping on your shoulders. They're standing on all right. your hard work. And I'm going to fight for you. And the Democrats don't do that. The Democrats right. don't. Who are the Democrats fighting for? Nobody. They're just elitists. That's well, the, and so they're, they've they're, lost. Some might say they've lost their way in their messaging or they have, you know. they have, they really have. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. 
to find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by 7-Eleven. Cold slurpy drinks and a hot summer day are a match made in heaven and your favorite refreshment just got even better. Let's talk about 7-Eleven's $1 small slurpy drink with seven rewards. It's the classic frozen fizzy treat you can't get anywhere else. I'm a blue raspberry guy. Just know that about me. Know that about me going forward. Anytime there's a drink like this, I'm in on the blue raspberry. If you're feeling thirsty, feeling thirsty right now, how about going to visit a 7-Eleven valid through 1725? 7-Eleven has the right to end this promotion early, plus tax, participating U.S. stores. See app for full terms. All rights reserved. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. I did want to ask you about this New Hampshire open primary. This obviously means with the Democrats moving, the DNC moving the election schedule to start with the first primary in South Carolina where... No, trying. They didn't succeed. They tried. Well, the delegates in New Hampshire may not count for their convention or I think that's what... But that doesn't matter. Tara, are you talking to the governor (laughs) of South Carolina? No. (laughs) Like nobody cares about South Carolina. (laughs) Not at all. Fine, fine. The joke. So there's a really strong write-in campaign right now to get Biden on the ballot because Dean Phillips, I believe, will be on the ballot, right? This is That's the right. upstart congressman, 40-something. I think he's like a gelato heir. <laughs> of all the heirs to, to be, a gelato heir sounds the coolest. I know, it really does. Um, lots, of, <laughs> lots of ice cream. Weirdly from the Midwest, I would assume a gelato heir would be Italian, right? Um, and then you have Marianne Williamson, who's actually weirdly polling pretty well um, yeah. and in New Hampshire. And I just sort of wonder, like, do you think based on what you're seeing, uh, well, first of all, do you think that Dean Phillips or Marianne Williamson could end up actually, you know, winning in New Hampshire? That the, the Yeah, sure. No, Hampshire? of course, because Biden's only success is bu- built on a, on a writing campaign. And even that is, is incredibly weak. Uh, you're weak. not going to have okay. Democrats going, I can't wait to take my day off, go to the polls and vote for the incumbent president where I have to write his name in after he's dis- disrespected. This. But are they even like going to show up for Dean Phillips? That's the other thing. I heard his campaign has been falling kind of flat in New Hampshire. Um, no, though they very well might. Look, if he's connected, if he goes and makes a connection with the voters, yeah, they, they very well might. Sure. Okay. So you think that's a possibility based? I mean, I don't, I don't know if you're paying that much attention to him, but there is this he wakes other- up every day and goes, I can't wait to vote for Joe Biden. That's going to be a great thing. Nobody, nobody cares. Nobody cares that Joe Biden isn't on our ballot. <laughs> okay. Here's the thing though. Here's what I've gleaned from you. So if it comes down to Trump and Biden, which it most likely will, you're going to vote for Trump then. Yeah, I'm a Republican. Okay, so you will vote for Trump. Okay. It's not going to be Trump and Biden. Though, I'm telling you. So, you so think here's it'll be another here. Republican and Biden. So I will say this, and, and I mean this quite sincerely: the party yeah. that chooses to move on from Trump or Biden first wins. If the Democrats choose before the Republicans to move on from Biden, before the Republicans choose to move on from Trump, Democrats will win. America is just looking for something new, so a new generation. Enough of this old 
old school crap. We need to move forward. And so any new candidate on either side is going to win this this election. If the Republicans choose to do it first in the primary, we're going to we're going to win this thing. If the Democrats choose to do it at their convention, they're going to win. How will you get past Trump? I don't see that happening, though. I just really don't see it. What do you mean? Uh, Republicans? Yeah. How will they get past Trump? You you have a candidate that does really well in Iowa, actually can surge and, and maybe win New Hampshire, even carry South Carolina. You need and one, shock though. Yeah, you just need one. So, look, I, I'm with you in that I, Trump is the leader of, of right now. And, of course, it, it, it's his to lose. I mean, everyone agrees with that. But it's not impossible. And it's it's there's actually a path to doing it, um, given that most people aren't paying attention. The election was so incredibly late. Someone is going to surge strong here in both Iowa and New Hampshire, I believe, and do well, you know, second or third place finish in, in, or second place finish or maybe even second and first in one or both those states. And now it's just the, the whole paradigm has changed. Political momentum is a very real thing. It can it can stall you hard or it can just launch you to the moon. Right. right. I'm from New England, you know, uh, not even 10 years ago, or whatever it was, you know, Scott Brown was a Republican running for the U.S. Senate in Massachusetts, one of those liberal yep. states in the country. And three weeks before the campaign, he was down 25 points in the polls. The guy won. Right. But that was crazy when he won. That was like that was a really yeah. big upset. Well, and this would be an upset, too, of course. But guys, the political history is full of political upsets. Right. So there's no reason if someone doesn't you know, pull it together. I know the media has been telling a different story. Is that story what you're waiting people. for, like a grand surge to make your endorsement? No, 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 no. I'll make my endorsement. I'll, uh, I'll be the grand surge. No. Why I'm don't just... you just make some news and make the endorsement right now? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I'm not going to do that. Um, Who you, I, I have a feeling who you're leaning towards. I think you're leaning towards Nikki Haley. You know, the, the hard part for me is Ron, Nikki, and Chris are all great friends. They all have an mm-hmm. incredible resume. They all make great presidents. They they really, really would. So it's not an easy decision, to be sure. Uh, they're all governors, which obviously I love. Governors are the only real politicians in the country that get stuff done because they have to. There's mm-hmm. accountability there. They understand that. But uh, no, I'm not sure where I'm going to go with it just yet. So yeah, I have a suggestion box in my office. So if anyone wants to stop by the New Hampshire State House and put a suggestion it's in the open. suggestion box. You can walk it's in. I learned wide that. Open. <laughs> wide open space. You can go right in. Um, well, I wanted to ask you... Um, so like we talked about that independence Democrats, they can vote in this open primary. There was an effort by Chris Christie at one point to try to get Democrats over and vote for him. Like, do you think that the fact that Dean Phillips and Marion Williamson are in the race? Yeah, Democrats won't vote for Republicans, but undeclared will. Undeclared can account, like I said. So uh, a couple of years ago, um, bear with me, I'm going to do some rough numbers. In 2020, uh, in the Democrat primary, which is a pretty big primary, about just shy of 300,000 votes were cast. Okay. Well over almost like 40% of those were undeclared voters. They were okay. part of the Democrat base. They were undeclared voters that were probably massively underpolled and, and undertested uh, and came out in droves. Like over 100,000 of them came out um, yeah. and voted in that primary. So, um, so there's a huge electorate here that will get engaged probably at the towards the very end. Um, not many of which I, I can't argue. I can't think see many undeclared voters going for Trump. Right. Mm, so they'll get engaged no. and they'll all get engaged on the Republican side because there's virtually nothing happening on the Democrat side. OK, so you don't think they're distracted by Dean or um, no, Marianne? No. OK. No. All right. Well, last time we spoke in May, you were 50 percent on the fence of maybe running for president yourself. 
That's true. Uh, I was, was 50-50. That's exactly I what I told you, and you believed it. I did. No, and, <laughs> and then, like, the next week, you were like, I'm out. I was like, great. Uh, yeah, a few weeks later, I guess it was, right? Yeah. No, it really wasn't right for <laughs> you my You love fa- to keep people hanging, just like when you were going to run for Senate. How long was that? Everybody was on their toes. Is Governor, is Governor Sununu going to run for Senate? Is he going to run for Senate? Is no, he gonna I, run for no I don't do that on purpose. The presidency I was very serious about... Um, primarily it just really wasn't right for my family and that's a huge okay. family decision my family really wasn't into it they didn't want it and again being the governor of the first of the nation primary i take that very seriously and i thought you know what i can i can just help the team better by being a yeah. i don't want to say a, a referee but, but no <laughs> i'll say more, it i won't say that but i can just help the team better trying to galvanize support and optimism and, and let pe- folks understand this isn't just a trump game there's really other options okay. out there and there's plenty of time to make to uh, to get there so we still have eight weeks left is that right seven eight yeah. weeks something like that so, so that's no regrets no regrets yeah. oh none zero no but you were at a no labels event for joe mansion and i believe it was john huntsman any interest in third parties uh, no, no, uh, no. I know the no, no, I know uh, Mansion very well, and and Nancy Jacobson, who's kind of the, has the founder of the No Labels event. I know them very well, and I've I've talked to them a lot about you know what their strategy is. Not that mm-hmm. I have any interest in it, but look, if it's a Trump Biden ticket, there's no doubt that a third party would have a huge opportunity to win. Mm-hmm. There's no question. You need a good candidate. You need someone that has some charm and charisma and can galvanize a little bit of a national name. Um, you know, I think they're working that out. You need to get on the ballot. That's a really hard thing to do. And I know mm. they're working hard there. So no, and and we're the first in the nation primary. So that when they held their event here in New Hampshire, of course I went. I, you went, even yeah, though people I, see them as spoilers on both sides. I, look, I had Robert Kennedy Jr. in my office talking about his campaign. I'd be happy to talk to Dean You're Phillips not worried about what the spoilers will do, that they might elect Trump or they might elect Biden or... No, because again, kind of where we started this conversation, you can't overthink, well, those voters will go there and those voters will go there. Mm. It doesn't really ever work like that. I, 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 my personal feeling is if RFK were to get in the race and get on ballots, he's going to take more from Trump than, than anybody. If a third party gets in the race, it's not going to go anywhere unless there's a great candidate there. And I there mean, if be- Joe Man, I guess if Joe Manchin's off the, t- they've decided they're not going with Joe Manchin at the top of the ticket, but like mm-hmm. they might need someone like you, so a, a, you know, a governor from a purple state that might be appealing to them. Something like that would work. It's not me. I, I really don't have interest, but uh, some, something like that would work. Yeah. What about the vice presidency being on the ticket with another Republican candidate? Uh, no, nothing I'm looking at right now. <laughs> <laughs> nothing uh, I'm looking also at require right going now. To Washington, Tara, and my family is not really into that. That idea, but so okay, so no regrets about not running, not looking yeah. at it right now. I don't think anyone in the history of this country has ever said no to the vice presidency. So uh, then I would be probably be the first. Yeah, no, look, I just <laughs> I want to help the Republican Party. I, I want to help them win. Um, I and and I, if I can help anybody, you know, I'm I just I'm just here to help the people. That's what I'm okay. all about. There. That's my job as governor. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to another episode of Somebody's Gotta Win. I'm Tara Palmieri. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, rate it, and share it with your friends. Thank you to my producers, Christopher Sutton and Connor Nevins. We'll be back on Thursday. 